Good morning, everyone. Welcome to our Sunday service. Please turn to number 208 and we'll begin our worship with I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. to worship this morning. Good morning. Morning. Call to worship this morning is Psalm 72, verses 1 through 7. Give the king thy judgments, O God, and thy righteousness unto the king's son. He shall judge thy people with righteousness, and thy poor with judgment. The mountain shall bring peace to the people, and the little hills by righteousness. He shall judge the poor of the people. He shall save the children of the needy and shall break in pieces the oppressor. They shall fear thee as long as the sun and moon endure throughout all generations. He shall come down like rain upon the mown grass as showers that water the earth. In his days shall the righteous flourish and abundance of peace so long as the moon endureth. Amen. Amen. That was written by David of Solomon, whose name means peace. And this is the second Sunday of Advent, the Sunday of peace. Let's continue to worship the Lord, singing number 343, Tell Me the Story of Jesus. Tell me the story 
This is the season we think even more of the whole story of Jesus. Let us pray. Lord God, we have gathered here this morning in this place, your people to worship you. We are uh, following the words that were written by the author of the letter to the Hebrews that we will not forsake the assembling together of each other. We pray that your spirit would fill this place as you have filled each and every one of us, and help us to focus on you. Please do not let us be distracted and do not let anything break our worship and our love towards you this morning and always. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. And now, if uh, we will all take our bulletin inserts, let's uh, pray our prayer of confession together. This is a corporate confession, not just for individuals. You have asked for our hands that you might use them for your purpose. We gave them for a moment, then withdrew them, for the work was hard. You asked for our mouths to speak out against injustice. We gave you only a whisper that we might not be accused. You ask for our eyes to see the pain of poverty. We close them, for we did not want to see. You ask us for our lives, that you might work through us. We gave a small part, that we might not get too involved. Lord, forgive all our heavenly efforts to serve you, only when it is convenient to do so. Only in those places where it is safe to do so, and only with those who make it easy for us to do so. Father, forgive us, renew us, and send us out as usable instruments that we might take seriously the meaning of your cross. Amen. And I think that's heavy and that's important. And I think too many Christians in this country think that knowing God and being his people is just that I know my sins are forgiven and I'm going to go to heaven when I die. But faith that is real faith, as James tells us, is active in, in sharing 
the good news and the love of Jesus in deeds. Faith without works is dead. And so sins of omission, I think, are every bit as big as sins of commission. That's why I just love this prayer, and it's so real as to where we're living. But the good news is we have confessed this now. And John tells us if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's an amazing, amazing promise. And so we will now worship with two more songs. Number 365, No One Understands Like Jesus. And number 215, Oh Hearken Ye.
Amen. And now we will have the reading of God's word this morning. Scripture this morning is from Isaiah and Mark. This is Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 to 11. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem, and cry unto her, that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. The voice said, Cry, and he said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all the goodness thereof is at the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. Mm -hmm. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. O Zion, that bringeth good tidings, get thee up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem, that bringeth good tidings, Lift up thy voice with strength. Lift it up. Be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm, and carry them in his bosom, and shall gently lead those that are with young. And this is Mark chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Amen. This is the word of God. And now let us go to the Lord in prayer. Three in one God, we thank you for sending Adonai, the Prince of Peace, to earth to be the payment for our sins and iniquities that you have accepted. And now we ask you to enable and empower us to truly be your people 
who will bring the good news that comes from the comfort of knowing forgiveness to all the people we know. May we all be led together by the gentle shepherd to the place of rest and peace that can only be found in him. Lord of all, may we live in a way that matches our words of faith. Please help us to go where people are. Forty years ago, I misunderstood what a Southern Christian meant when he said New England is the best fishing hole. But now I know that he meant that up to 95 out of 100 people still need to be gathered into your kingdom through understanding, first, that they are not right with you, and second, that they can be right with you and be adopted into your family through and in Jesus. And if we don't tell our family and friends, who will? Now, we have no control over world events in Gaza, Ukraine, and other places. And all our talk about what's going on is nothing more than wasted breath. So we pray, as Jesus taught us, that in every place of this world and with all people, your will, it must be done. And again, please, in our lives In our little corner of the world, let us both know and do your will, knowing that in our own strength we cannot, but that in Jesus, with his help and power, we can do all that you ask of us. Please make us to be your instruments of peace here and now. And we pray for our cell in your body, We pray for Christine. You alone know her deepest needs, and we believe you can care for each one that she has. We have the same request for Elin. We believe nothing is too big for you to overcome, so please give to her all that she needs. We pray for Peter, Linda, Billy, and their whole extended family. We pray for John and Pat's family, as they celebrate their first Christmas since her home going. We pray for Allie and her sister Emmy and all her children and grandchildren. We pray for Charlie, Kurt, Ken, and Rob. We pray for Sally and Jimmy. We pray for Carol's family, too, this Christmas season, especially for her husband, Al. We also pray for Noel and Darren, And I just want to thank you that things are looking up for my sister. Now, please be with me and guide me as I explain, interpret, and apply your word. May all that I say be right and pleasing to you. In starting with me, help us to all act differently so that we are the ones who are the bringers of good news. And now we come together with one heart and one voice, praying the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. Our Father, 
who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evils. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All right. And uh, this is easily one of my top five Christmas songs. Before we go to the word of God, after lighting the candle, let us sing number 200, O Little Town of Bethlehem. Gospel truth in that song. 
Well, now, if we will all take our bulletin inserts, we will do our responsive reading before we light the peace candle of our Advent wreath. Awake, awake, clothe yourself in your strength, O Zion. Clothe yourself in your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For the uncircumcised and the unclean will no more come into you. Shake yourself from the dust, rise up, O captive of Jerusalem. For thus says the Lord, you were sold for nothing, and you will be redeemed without money. Now, therefore, what do I have here, declares the Lord, seeing my people have been taken away without cause? And again, the Lord declares, those who rule them howl, and my name is continually blasphemed all day long. How lovely on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who announces peace and brings good news of happiness, who announces salvation and says to Zion, your God reigns. Listen, the watchmen lift up their voices, they shout joyfully together, but they will see with their own eyes and the Lord restores them. I think we got everything in there. Uh, Peace, joy, love, all of that. But the first two aspects that we remember while we await the second coming of Jesus is in his first coming, he fulfilled hope for his people. There we go. And he came as the prince of peace. There we go. It took it. All right. So, our first song with the middle verse lamenting the lack of peace on earth could have been written this year. And it was in uh, our prayer this morning. But however, Longfellow wrote it in the middle of the Civil War in a year when one of his sons died in the war and the other was severely wounded. Violence has been part of human nature from the very first man who was born, Cain. And then Joseph's brothers thought to kill him, but then they just sold him into slavery and lied to their father about him. And then Absalom, whose name means my father is peace, he killed his half-brother for violating his sister. Violence is all over scripture. And God spoke through Isaiah to say that people do not know the way 
of peace. And Paul picked up on this truth when he wrote that all people on earth sin, speaking deceit, and shedding blood, so they do not know the way to peace. That's that big long passage in Romans, which I found out some years ago is actually an exact quote of the introduction of Psalm 14 in the Greek translation of the Bible. Now, Jesus said also that he did not come to bring peace on earth, but division, Matthew 10. And what he meant by this is between his two advents, his first coming, which was 2,000 years ago, and his second, which could be any day now, those who surrender to him through obedient faith will offend those who still do everything from their own selfish pride so that there will not be peace between them. There will be conflict. As people say, we don't like you, we don't like your Jesus. Now, Jesus even divides families. And in saying this, he acknowledges what Micah had written. However, Jesus did bring peace with God for all who turn from their own ways to him in order to receive him as the one who has paid the debt for their sins on the cross. And we heard that in our passage this morning. I'll explain it in more depth soon. Now, the week before he was crucified, probably on Wednesday, Jesus said, David called him Adonai, Matthew 22, and he's quoting from Psalm 110, which would say in a kind of a quasi-English translation that um, Yahweh said to my Adonai. Yahweh is the covenant God, the three-in-one God, the triune God, and Adonai, when you see that in the Old Testament, and it's not all capital letters, that's really the name for Jesus. And I remember when I was reading Calvin's Institutes, he has 40 pages where he shows this from Scripture. So, as we go through our Isaiah passages this morning, we will see that the one who is the Prince of Peace is the Mighty One who comforts people with the gentleness of a shepherd. This is peace. Adonai comforts with gentle power. He's both and. Now, the compilers of the narrative lectionary, which I've been using for almost four years now, gave us an Abba pattern for today's readings. Now, I'm not talking about the singing group in the 70s, but A-B-B-A in the sense that what we have here is, first of all, the covenant God tells people the debt for their sins has been paid. And then a voice says, the glory of Yahweh will be revealed. And next the voice says, God will come with might to reward his flock. And then going to the gospel passage, finally a messenger tells people that repentance leads to forgiveness of sins. So we can look at it very briefly this way. A, the debt for sin is paid. B, 
God's glory is coming. Be prime. God will come to reward and A prime, sins are forgiven. It all ties together. So now let's go deeper into this. The first part of our Isaiah passage is A and B, and all together the summary is God's exhorting his people to comfort because the payment of their iniquity debt has been accepted. And then he calls people to clear the way for his glory to be uncovered or revealed to all people. So the A part of this is God exhorts his people to comfort one another by by telling them that the debt for their iniquity has been acceptably paid. Now, I'm going to read it with the best Hebrew translation I can give, and I'm going to confess until this week, I never understood the first line of Isaiah 40. So, this is God speaking and saying, you all must comfort. You must all comfort my people, says God of you all. You all must speak to the heart of Jerusalem, and you all must cry to her that is ended her warfare. So, What's really happening here is he's not speaking to a prophet or he's not speaking for himself. But in reality, through the prophet Isaiah, God is exhorting his own people to comfort one another with the reality of his compassion. So it's on us. It's, it's, it's not just from God. It's on us. And then talking about her warfare, about Jerusalem, he is foreseeing the destruction of Jerusalem in 586 B.C., but he wants his people to cry to her heart, to the people in Jerusalem, that someday her conflict with him will come to an end. And then... Uh, the, the rest of this first part is very difficult to understand, and I'm gonna, and you may have heard some of the controversy, but here's what he says. That has been accepted, parens, the payment for her debt, for her iniquity, and that she has received from the hand of the Lord double for her sins. So this is a very rich word, accepted, which most of the translations have. But some of the more, um, not totally paraphrased, but dynamic equivalent, the NIV gets the full sense of this word by saying has been paid for. In the New Jerusalem Bible says has atoned for, which I think is the best interpretation of the sense of this word. So as I looked it up in a Bible dictionary, The word is used when someone has made an acceptable payment for a debt. And and we know now that Jesus has come. It wasn't clear in Isaiah's day. Jesus made that payment, right? Now here's one, this second phrase in the sentence is very difficult to interpret and you may have heard that orthodox rabbis to this day claim and I've put it as a question was the punishment of the exile of the Jews and then their subsequent repentance of all the people of Israel was that alone punishment and repentance 
enough to pay the debt of their sins. And rabbis will tell you to this day, this is about Israel and Israel only, and their exile and punishment canceled their debt. But Christians would say, Jesus, ask God and ask man, the two-in-one person, paid for the sins of all people. And whoever receives his gift as the only acceptable payment in God's eyes, that one is comforted in salvation. And right there you have in a short paragraph the only real difference between Jews and Christians when it comes to knowing God. Okay, the B part of our first section, we're told, In summary, a voice is calling out. Make smooth for the glory of Yahweh has been uncovered and all people have seen it. Make the way smooth. That's a command. So he starts with a voice. This part, B, and the second B, both start with a voice calling in the wilderness here. You all must clear the way of Yahweh, and you all must make straight on the desert highway to our God. So the prophet is calling out, and he's calling out in the wilderness to God's people, the wilderness of where their sins have taken them, a double command. They must make clear Yahweh's way as he is coming to them. And they must make straight or right a highway for God on the elevated desert plain. In my Bible dictionary put a word I used to read in Westerns, a step with two P's and an E. And then God continues, every valley will be lifted up and every mountain and hill will be made low. It has become what? The deceitful, defiled, or crooked, right or straight, and the rough place level. So the verbs indicate that all these miracles of taking a jumbled mess and and just a horrible path and, and making it easy to traverse, all of these will not be done by people, but by the covenant God, Yahweh himself. Continuing and finishing the first half, and it has been revealed, literally uncovered, the glory of Yahweh. And they have seen all flesh together because the mouth of Yahweh has spoken. So the covenant God has revealed his glory in such a way that every living creature with flesh on it will all see it together, have all seen it together. This is because Yahweh has spoken spoken it. And here's the thing about God. If we get this, we get everything. What he speaks, he does. And we can take that to the bank. It may not even happen in our lifetime, but what he speaks, he does. Then secondly, combining the rest of Isaiah with Mark. People are like grass that fades, but Adonai Yahweh comes with might to care for his flock. And John was crying out in the wilderness that repentance leads to forgiveness of sins. So the second B part, summarized this way, a voice is saying, 
You must cry that people are like grass and flowers which are temporary. But God will come with might both to reward and care for his flock. So let's go through it now word for word. Again, we hear a voice saying, you all must cry. And I said, what will I cry? All flesh is grass and all its goodness. Now this is the word chesed. You've probably heard of it. It's often used of God as his strong, steadfast, faithful love. But when it's applied to humans as here, uh, it just means kindness. So the goodness of people or kindness as the flowers of the field. But it has withered grass. It has faded flower because spirit of Yahweh has blown in it And just because we might not interpret this uh, metaphoric poetry, just as people couldn't understand the parables, God makes it clear through Isaiah. People, grass, okay? He's not really talking about nature. He's talking about human nature. So again, Isaiah hears Yahweh commanding all his people. And he responds as a prophet by asking, what should he do? What should I do, God? And he's told to say to all creatures of flesh, and especially people, that they are temporary, like the grass and flowers that wither and fade, because Yahweh has blown on them to break them up. Okay, I had a look like three times at the Bible dictionary. You know, this isn't like gentle blowing of the spirit. It's a different word from ruach. And what it means is to be blown to smithereens in the language we used as kids. Then he continues, it has withered grass, it has faded flower, and the word of our God will stand to eternity. So after restating this here today, gone tomorrow, nature of plants and people, God tells Isaiah that his word will stand in the highest place for all time in perpetuity. The word of God is eternal. Then upon a high mountain must go up the one bearing good news. Zion, thou must lift up with strength thy voice bearing good news. Jerusalem, thou must lift up. Thou must not fear. Thou must say to the cities of Judah, behold, the God of you all. Now this is powerful. This is heavy. But continuing to speak through Isaiah God commands to Jerusalem to be the one bearing good news. Figuratively, that she is to go so high that all the cities will behold God in all his glory. So now we come to our first application. What should we do about this? We must announce the good news of Jesus. And while we're doing it, we must pray all will receive this good news of God's living, eternal word, Jesus Christ. And now 
we get these wake-up words twice. Behold, Adonai Yahweh, in might he will come, and his arm is ruling for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work is before him. This statement is why Zion, Jerusalem, must not be afraid. Adonai, Lord Jesus of Yahweh, the triune covenant God, will come in might to rule. But his work will be both to judge those rebelling against him, against God, and reward with gentle mercy all who have humble, obedient faith in him. This is peace. Adonai comforts with gentle mercy. Power. And then concluding the Isaiah passage, as a shepherd, his flock he will feed. In his arms he will gather lambs, and in his bosom he will carry them. Those who are nursing, he will gently lead to rest. Gentle care. In every way, Jesus of Yahweh. Yahweh, but come to earth, will care for his people as a shepherd. Psalm 23, John 10. He will comfort them by leading them gently to a place of rest and peace. The word can mean both. So again, here's what we should do. In every way, may we do all God leads us to do so that we will take comfort to know that the warfare of people, including ours with God, can give way to peace from the gentle shepherd Adonai Jesus. Peace. Adonai comforts with gentle power. And I think I missed an application that I want to go back and pick it up again. Um, After the judging of rebellion and rewarding of mercy... Let us pray. And this is the most important thing. I heard a very good Bible teacher say it this week. We shouldn't fret over all of our sins and obsess that God can't forgive us. And if I don't confess, he might send me to hell. That's not God. Let us pray that all people will cease fearing punishment for their sins and iniquities. And they will know that they can have peace because uh, God is both uh, powerful, but he also comforts, forgives, and saves in Adonai Jesus. I think this is so important. There are some people I know that just worry so much about what horrible sinners they are, and God doesn't want that. He wants us to have assurance of forgiveness in Jesus. And that's a good way to segue up to Mark's gospel. I'll summarize the introduction to his gospel. The good news of Jesus, what he was proclaiming in the wilderness by John, that repentance leads to forgiveness of sins. Now, I'm going to get a little heavy here, and I apologize, but when I first started grasping this back in 2004, when I preached the gospel from beginning to end, it was powerful to me. So literally it says, beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it had been written in Isaiah the prophet. And this commentator that I read, and there's more and more coming to this 
understanding. They believe that this is, first of all, the title and then the subtitle of the entire book. Okay? Mark, but he wrote this under the direction and testimony of Peter. They knew the good news about Messiah Savior, Jesus, would continue until he returned. That's why this is only the beginning. It's still being written and acted upon. And Mark's gospel is based on the whole book of Isaiah. That's the subtitle. I'm just going to restate now that Jesus has come what Isaiah really meant. And I went through my Greek New Testament, the authoritative Greek New Testament, and found at least 16 cross-references to Isaiah, evenly distributed throughout the whole book. That was just a very interesting um, revelation to me. Continuing now with what Mark was inspired to write, Behold, I will send the messenger of me before the face of thee, who will prepare the way of thee. Sending my messenger. Now most Bibles cross-reference this sentence to Malachi 3.1. And it is indeed a paraphrase of this verse. Okay, But understand, this is a paraphrase. Um, I checked it out in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, and I found some significant differences in vocabulary, sentence structure, and pronouns. But it is a close uh, understanding. And what Mark is inspired to be writing is that God will send a messenger before Messiah Savior to prepare the way of Jesus Christ. Now, it was through Malachi, paraphrased, but also Isaiah, as we have already heard earlier this morning, that there would be somebody uh, to prepare his way, and his people were to prepare his way. Okay. Now, the third verse is very interesting. Voice crying in the wilderness. You all must make ready or prepare the way of the Lord. Straight. You all must be making the paths of him. Now, in English, and even in the Hebrew Bible, this looks similar to Isaiah 43. But I pulled up the Greek translation, the Septuagint. And the Septuagint translation is quoted word for word, letter for letter here. This is an exact quotation of Isaiah 43, which was in our first part A, and now it's in this second part. And the messenger is declared to be John the baptizer, who fits this prophecy. And then finally, this is the heart of it. This is the good news. It was John, the one baptizing in the wilderness and preaching baptism of repentance into forgiveness of sins. Now, what's being said about Yohanan, which means in English, Yahweh is grace. This baptizer, he's the one preaching that when people turn from their iniquity and sin to God in faith, they will have sins forgiven through what Jesus the Savior did. And this is the introduction, but the whole rest 
of his gospel explains all that Jesus did to bring this forgiveness about. So, I mentioned that controversy between rabbis and Christians. What was hidden under the confusing language in Isaiah is made clear and apparent in Jesus Christ. So here's our final application, the final word. May we be in awe that the mighty and glorious God has paid the debt for our sins. And he will care for all people who turn to him in faith. In fact, he will also save them. But we must receive forgiveness for ourselves. And when we have done that, we may tell others about what Jesus, the Savior King, did. So they, too, may receive forgiveness of sins. That's where it all starts, but it's just the beginning of the gospel. The Savior King comes to forgive sins. Now let me wrap up all of our scriptures for this morning. The covenant God exhorts his people to comfort one another because the payment for their iniquity debt, their debt that they have, it's been accepted. Jesus has been accepted. Then he calls them to prepare their hearts to see the revelation of his glory. And although people are as temporary as the grass in the field, Adonai Yahweh comes with might to care for his flock as a shepherd. And the good news of Jesus the Savior was announced by John. People can repent and receive forgiveness. How? In Jesus. If we are in Jesus, we're forgiven. And this is peace. The peace that Adonai comforts people with, with his gentle power. The power that overcame death on the cross. The power that paid the price for our sins. The power that gives us peace with God. Amen. And let's uh, close. Speaking of glory, we'll sing number 206, Angels We Have Heard on High. 206. Angels we have heard on high, sweetly sing in all the plains and the mountains in reply. Echo back the joyous rains. Chelsea.
when we were first married where this one woman just loved to shout out glory to God. So our um, good word that we close with this morning comes from Paul's introduction of his letter to the churches in Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us out of this present evil age according to the will of God, our God and Father, to whom be the glory forevermore. We are delivered in Jesus. In fact, he is our hiding place. And let's close with that chorus, number 53, you are my hiding place.
Bye.